Good to be here. I'm going to be uh, sharing the Word of God again. I'm going to be going into Joshua. If you want to get your Bibles handy and you want to find Joshua um, and go to the front of it, we're still in Joshua chapter 1 at the moment. Um, it's been three weeks of introduction, two weeks, and we're halfway through verse 1. So Simon jokes, he said by mistake once in a video, we're going to be doing this for 40 years. I'm starting to wonder if he was right, but the plan is we're going to work our way through this book of the Bible because we believe it's a real model for uh, the church and for leadership in the church, and particularly around a theme of living life without the fear. That's what this is about. It's about understanding how do you live life in this modern times as well through a very, very old book. How do you manage to live life without the fear? Okay, so um, my, uh, my message today is going to be based on this. Fail to plan and you plan to fail. It's an expression I've used for people uh, in business situations, but I want to share it in a godly sense. If you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. And then we're going to explore that together. So, um, as Simon said, I, I, last week, he really, if you were here, we talked a lot about meditating on the Word of God, really digesting the Word of God. And I, I as someone who... It's kind of fairly new to preaching. As I study the Word of God, I understand far more every time I look just what that sort of thing means. And I've heard people say you could preach for years, you could preach for months on end off the three words of the Bible. And I thought that's nonsense, you bore me to tears. But actually, I'm starting to understand a little bit about that. So hopefully, I'm not going to bore you to tears this morning. Um, because the Bible is a living book. It's been given to us as a gift of God to teach us how to live. It's not an instruction manual. Uh, some people say that, you know, it's, it's God's little instruction book. I'd encourage you not to say that because that indicates you could take it off when you need to find out how to do something and then put it back when you don't. And that's not how the Bible has been given to us as a gift of God to work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a manual reader. I don't read manuals. Men, how many of you are like me? You just pick the thing up, you give it a go, and when it doesn't work, you then think, where is that manual? You take out the cellophane, you go, oh, right, that's what I was doing. Um, especially with IKEA furniture. Flat pack furniture is, is the absolute ultimate of this, because what tends to happen is, you know, it's the old, you know, flap A goes into slot B, and then you use fixing 16 to hold it in, and you haven't got any fixing 16, so you think, I'll use an 18, and the wood splits. And then you get the glue that you're supposed to use later, and put it in the crack, and you clamp it closed, and that works, and then you realize later you've run out of fixing, so you go and get that box of screws you've all got in the garage, you know the one? You have got one, because women, you've got one full of buttons. Men, we've all got one full of screws and nails. And we go and get that screw out, and we fix it. And somehow, through the blessing of God and a miracle, a chest of drawer appears at the end of it all. And we can kind of take that view when we think about, oh, well, that's if people tell me that, that the Bible is some kind of a map for life, some kind of a, uh, a sorry, an instruction book, then, then that's how it works. It must say somewhere in it, when I'm praying about, you know, my uh, wisdom teeth, the wisdom teeth passage, you know, there's going to be one about it, but there isn't. It's much bigger. And... Um, for me, one of the challenges of, of trying to understand the Bible now, and, and this is why you'll never ever be able to say, I've read it, I understand it, and I'm done with it. Never ever will you be able to say that and be correct. If it's a map for life, then it's a huge map. It's so specific to you as a person when you read it through the Holy Spirit, God's going to speak to you through the Bible. He'll speak to you, and therefore it's an infinitely complex book. Because it's not the same. It's like, it's, to me, it's, it sounds really cheesy, and forgive me if this is how I describe it. But it's like when I open it, it's written just my version of it. If I gave it to you, you'd look at it and it would have different words on the page. You know what I mean? It's designed to reach you at that moment of your life. So, like any map, if you look at this much of it, you have no sense of where you've been or where you're going to go. 
when you look at scripture in isolation and say, I'm feeling down, let me go to the back bit, find the bit that says down, and then find the Bible reference and go and find the bit that will cheer me up. We've all done it. Let's not pretend we haven't, okay? It'd be really good if we didn't pretend, because I have. I've got a big, big Bible, which is one of these reference Bibles, and sometimes in moments of whatever I'm trying to do, I go to the back bit and find it. I think, you know what? That's not really fed me, because I can't draw on it. I have to go and reference it and then find it. So I'm as, I'm as keen as anyone, I'm as challenged as anyone by what Simon brought last week to say, I need to meditate, I need to devour, I need to consume the Bible. So, as we go into Joshua, and I'm going to be doing the second half of Joshua, so I'm going to be doing Joshua 10 to 18. Um, I'm going to get stuck, I could very much easily get stuck on the first three words of this. I don't know if you remember when I preached before in this series, I actually preached on um, after the death of Moses, and that was kind of for quite a long time, and just that opening line, and how did that reference back, what does that kind of mean, and I got, I got the same experience when I actually looked at this section of the Bible, and I thought this line, if you want to pop the next slide up guys, and we'll read through it all, but it was just this thing that said, so Joshua ordered, and I kind of stopped there, and that's where I'm going to be spending a bit of time, but let's read this whole passage together just so we can hold it all in context, I'll read it for you. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you to the east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, and as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And whenever, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he, is with Moses, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, we will put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Praise God. I'm going to try and... Um, explore this whole passage it's very difficult i could easily now having looked at it do this over four or five weeks but i'm going to try and do it one day go through this passage and guys you want to put the next one up i'm just going to try and do it by going through three particular topics go back one thank you um, i'm going to talk about the calling to action the first part of what's happening in this verse or in this section of the bible then i'm going to talk about the application of god's plan what does that mean what does application mean and then i'm going to talk about responding to god's plan without fear so, next slide up, guys. Thank you. So, I got stuck very early on in my work here looking at this on So Joshua Ordered. Because in isolation, that doesn't mean much. It's just kind of, oh, oh you care. Uh, so what? So, I guess we've all got the gist by now. If any of you have listened to or watched or been part of this series, you kind of know that Joshua is God's man. You've probably got that by now if you haven't after us doing it for five weeks. We're not doing a very good job, but you know, God was Joshua's man of the moment. He's Moses' successor, 
And yet these three, three words are going to causing me to pause for a minute. Because if you look at what happened in the first part, in the Joshua 1, 2 to 9, what's happening? God's speaking to Joshua. So God's telling Joshua about the broad vision, the big plan. This is the moment you're going to cross over. You're going to go from wandering around for 40 years. You're going to move over the Jordan and you're going to take possession of the land. So God's already spoken to Joshua. And what is Joshua's response? The next thing it says is Joshua ordered. So he takes his time with God, and Joshua was a, guy, a man who was in tune. You, you see that when you look back at who he was, a man in tune. He, was, he, he spent so much time with God. He dwelled in, the, in places where God was present. He wanted to be around. He wanted to read the book of the law. He was a man who really dedicated himself, and therefore he was in tune with God. So he heard from God. But then when he spends time with God, he then goes out and he orders. So... He takes his time with God and God's plan and says, now I've got to go and actually do something. I'm not going to pray, Lord, by your spirit, let the millions with me get the same message. Or he doesn't stand up at the front of all the Israelites and say, this is what God's just said to me, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't go through it in that way. He actually says, go get ready. Get ready to cross. Because Joshua wasn't a man who sat in a room or a tent with three other guys and said, how do you think we're going to get across this river then? What do you reckon? Bridge? Boat? How are we going to get these millions of people across the river? He didn't sit there and thrash out some kind of a strategy and work out his own plan and then say, I hope what we've just done fits in with God's... It feels right, so it feels like we're supposed to do this crossing the river thing. So let me just work it out myself. Go for it and just see what happens. He didn't sit down in, or stand in front of these right people and say, well, you know what, I've just spent time with God. He says, it's a go. Thumbs up. Let's do it. Uh, that way. You know, and everyone just kind of sets off and hopes that, you know, either the water's going to be solid or they're just not going to drown and they just go for it. He doesn't, he doesn't do it that way. He doesn't just say, look, you know, as long as God's with me, follow me, I'm going. You know, let's see what happens as we run into the water. He starts to say, there is... I know God's vision. He's told me it's going to happen now. How do now we actually make this thing happen? What do we need to do? What's the way of making this thing come together? God has a plan for everything. Because if he's the God of time and eternity, if he's the God that we sung about this morning and that Aaron spoke about when he was singing, um, God has a plan for every single aspect of every element of our life. That's kind of, that's, oh man, that's, that's not the way I want to see it. I want to know that I'm in control. And yet when we place ourselves in God's hands and we say, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to behave? How do you want me to deal with this situation? And for you and for me standing here, what do you want to do with this church? And it's God's plan. When God's plan is revealed to you, when, God, when you know you're in God's plan, when you're safe in his plan, I'll come back to this later. When you have that closeness with the Lord, when you think, I know this is what he wants me to be doing. I've prayed about it. I've, I've heard him. I know it. The fear goes. You stop being scared. And I'll come back to that definitely later. But for us as a church, we've gone through times as a, 
of just trying to seek God. When, when we first um, came together uh, as an eldership, and if you don't know the history of the church, this church has been around for over 20 years. Um, used to meet in a school, and then uh, about a year ago, um, Simon joined us in this team over here. And we start, And before we even did anything, we sat down and talked about our vision and our values. And we talked about what do we think God's going to do. We just didn't say, look, you know, let's just carry on what we're doing. Let's just get some more people in resource, and let's just keep doing. We really felt God say, you know, this is a time of change. And then you've heard it be prayed this morning that God's doing a huge work in this church. And I'm looking at people thinking, who on earth are you? I haven't even met you yet. Where did you come from? God's doing a work, and for whatever reason, you may just think it was convenient, but no. God's drawing so many people together to his work. And we knew his plan involved some strange decisions. And really now they don't seem so strange. They don't seem so challenging. But we felt God's plan on us and said, go, move into a cinema. Go into this public place. And I'm going to bless you. And when we know that, and when we're sure that that's what God said, and when we first told people, and they're going, you know, oh, like school, it's, it's ours, and we're going to be seen by people. What on earth would a church want to be seen by people for? <laughs> Are you mad? When that sort of thing's going on, and you know God's, God, God's in it, you start to realize how this maps to the sort of life of Joshua. Because Joshua's a man, and you're going to hear about it. We've, we've joked enough about the walls of Jericho, if you know the story about, you know, let's walk around it for is it six days. On the seventh day, let's just shout at it, and it'll all be fine. You know, that sort of thing thinking, man, you, you need to be sure you've heard from God before you tell a bunch of people to do that. Because they're going to look like a bunch of donkeys after raspberries or whatever. You know, they're going <laughs> to look really, really strange. That's got some life in it, that Simon, I tell you. Um, and that's what you hope is going on when your eldership, your leadership of your church and those in leadership are seeking God and saying, okay, We've heard from God, and now we're going to turn around to the church, and we're going to give the orders. Oh, don't like that. Oh, don't, 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 don't I like being ordered by anyone. No. If God's telling your, your uh, leadership, this is what I want you to do, and your eldership is sure, you'll know that it's okay. You'll, you'll know in your spirit, yep, we're going to go with that. And you'll see this passage kind of reflects a lot of that. Hear from God first, then make it happen, and make sure everyone's with you as you go. Just put the next slide up for me. Joshua, at this moment, was starting to become an exemplary leader. He'd been a known character. He wasn't an unknown character, but he started to be an exemplary leader. And people were starting to look to him saying, God's with you, isn't he? Why was that? I'll come later as to why some people might think he was, it was, he was a good guy. But actually, because firstly, he was obedient. They could tell that about him, that he would hear from God, and then he would act in God's plan. He was obedient. He was clearly a man of faith. He believed when God said do something, God would, as he acted it out, be with him. So as you look to act things out in God, you need to have the faith to know that God will be with you. And some people are do making some really tough decisions at the moment. During a recession, businesses get moved around, jobs get threatened. Lots of people have to make tough decisions. The most important thing is when you know God's with you, you act in faith. You feel like he's gone one step before you. And all you're doing is putting your foot in the step that he took just before you as he go. But also, um, clearly, Joshua might have been a bit of a weed. 
Is that right to say? <laughs> it's deathly silence. Because God kept saying to him, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. I know you're naturally going to be afraid. Be courageous, be strong. Now God doesn't say things by mistake, so he said it so often. And even at the end of this, others say, just be strong and courageous. And you don't say that to someone if you think they already are. So there's some sense of, you know, weed's not the right word, but, but naturally in this human strength was going to be fearful. He was going to do something colossal, huge. And it's like, <gasps> be strong and courageous. And people started to see Joshua acting in courage. Joshua does what God tells him. He's obedient. Because of his relationship with the Father and his dedication to the Word, he starts to grow in his faith. Even more, and no one ever stops growing in these aspects. And all those elements combined means he's no longer getting bound by the fear. He's starting to show himself as a man of courage. So I'm going to go on in a second to the fact that he's about to detail out the application of God's word. He's about to say, I know now what you want me to do, but I'm responsible for actually making sure this stuff happens. I'm the one that's going to tell people this is how it's going to work. But I understand your plan, and through the strength, through the spirit, I'm going to go and tell people how things are going to be worked out. And there's a huge difference between um, sensing the big plan, knowing what God's going to do, and sensing how that might actually happen on the ground. There's a big difference. And often, churches forget the big plan and start to think about the little plan which is the weekly running of the church. How do we fill the seats? What about this? What about that? And we've said to you before, we're not a church that's going to be driven by uh, uh, programs of lots and lots of events going on. It's a bit of a busy time now because it's getting that social season. But we're not going to overload you with tons and tons of events and get so obsessed with making this work and making this feel good and look good. If it's not part of God's grand plan for this church, then we won't do it. And our calling as a church and as an eldership is to understand what is the grand plan for this church. What part of it are you going to reveal to us next, Lord? And then how do we apply that? How do we make that happen? Otherwise, we're just doing efforts. We're just really trying hard. And there's lots of people around trying. And get what, guess what efforts are? Guess what those? They're filthy rags. Isaiah says, our finest efforts are filthy rags. We sing a song like that. We could try and work really hard at being church, and yet it wouldn't actually impress God at all. He wants to just see his church, his plan, his desires for you, this congregation and this town, acted out through the church. Not that the church runs ahead, you run ahead and say, keep up with me God, I'm going this way, I'm sure it's holy, so let's just keep going. No. And in this part of Joshua, after 40 years... He says, three days. Start gathering your supplies. Get ready. We're going to cross in three days. I'm sure everyone was ready by then. I'm sure after 40 years, they kind of knew, we're ready to go. It's not going to take three days, Joshua. We just want to go. And yet, well, let's look at that. Let's look at the application. So put the next slide up for me, guys. So as we look at the application of God's plan, there's two things happening in this section of uh, Joshua. One is he's preparing people for a mission. He starts to prepare. And secondly, and I'm probably spending quite a bit of time on this if I have it, he's resourcing the mission. Joshua tells the people, right, okay, three days, I want you to get ready. 
We're going to go and possess the land. He prepares him. He tells him this is a, it's about to happen. All that, all those years, it's now going to happen. It's going to happen in three days, and this is what we're going to do. And he starts to talk it through. If you want to pop the next slide up, guys. I just want to point something out about, I won't read through this, it will take some time, but just, there's an important difference here. God says you're going to go and take possession of the land. And that's another one of those, I didn't even notice that was important. Possession means God's already owning it. God's already given it to those people. He's telling them just to go and take it. It's yours, I'm giving it to you, but you have to now go and take it. And there will be a battle. You're going to go in and actually possess. You're going to actually take claim to the things that I've already given to you. So don't worry, you're going to have it. So the promises of the Lord God are true. What he's told us he's going to do with this church, he's going to do it. He's already doing it. He's going to continue to do it. We've got, all we've got to do is make sure that we are always aligning up with what he wants to do. The plan that he has, he's already taken possession of lost souls in this room. Lost souls we haven't even met yet. People who don't know Christ. He already has them named. He already has them possessed. I mean possessed in a good sense. Please don't think exorcist or anything like that. <laughs> Please. He's taken possession of it. You, you know, it's, it's a tragic truth, and it's one of those really... It messes with your head. But I was saved from the moment I was born. It didn't happen when I was 20, whatever it was. He just said, that moment. And I'm going to line up everything, and on that day, you are going to get saved. He knew. And it's the same is true of every individual in this room. He knew. He knows. The plan was already set. You can't do anything about it. You've just got to make sure that you do your part in making sure it happens. And it's a weird thing. You think, in that case, I don't have to do anything, do I? If they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. No. It's the strangest thing. The plan will get laid out, but we are responsible for making that plan actually happen. There has to be things that happen to get people saved. There has to be things that happen to make a church have an impact on a town and on a city. You can't just take the first part and say, that's cool, God, you go do it. I'm just going to cruise until we get there. One other thing in this section, just pop to the next slide, please. Um, I think this is, yeah, that's fine. Joshua is delegating. He tells officers, go do. You know, officers, you go and now do some things. He's showing another model of leadership, which is delegation, which is saying, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this through people. You go and talk to everyone and tell them what's about to happen and get ready. So he started to show other leadership qualities. He didn't say, right, I've got the word from God. How many people can I gather in one place and make sure they all hear it from me? He immediately starts to work through. And this is a model of leadership behavior too. And it's also a model of how we're going to do church, which is why the explore groups are so important to us. Because us as elders, as leaders of this church, want to see the church come alive and the way in which this church is going to um, grow happen through delegation, through into the explore groups. Because already there's too many of you for us to start to look after. There's too You're not three million, four million, I know that. But you are getting too many. I can't get to see everyone anymore. Desperately though I try, Simon can't, we won't be able to. So we see the important model here is that through others, the work's going to get done. And that's why we're so enthusiastic, so encouraged, so overjoyed about the fact these groups are about to start. Because that's going to help us make sure that people are being looked after. That's going to help us make sure that people are really getting deeper into the word. Spending time together in praying, ministry. Sunday mornings, this time is a time to engage, but we can't do all the things we know God wants to do in, on a Sunday morning. But I'm going to spend a bit more time on this next part. So if you want to put the next slide up for me. God is resourcing 
the mission. He starts to pull together these tribes, these people that have had previous uh, dealings with Moses and God and says, right now I need to get you back in and add you to my people because we're about to do the big push and there's some battles ahead and we're going to have to fight and I'm going to add you to who's here and we're going to go and we're going to do what God's commanded of us. That is the fundamental picture for me of what God's doing in this church absolutely right now. He is adding resource to what's already here. As I put up there, there's an awakening of resources in us and there's an adding of resources to us. This would have normally washed over me. When I read, start to read about Gadites, Hedites, and lots of names, and da, da 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 in the Bible, I tend to sort of jump past and get to the next bit that's in English, and don't really see what on earth was that about. And then I read it and thought, hang on a minute. He's pulling back people that are known to God to say, come here, we're about to advance. And there's a lot of people in this room who that applies to. There's a whole bunch of people in this room who have only recently joined this church and have walked in and said, what can I do? I feel God's with you, and, and I'm coming in to say, what can I do? And some of you are visiting today thinking you're only going to come here once. Wrong! You're not. Sorry, but we are sticky. We are the church of you who something happens because God's saying, I'm bringing people to you. And people want to stay. And then they don't just want to stay because it's nice and the chairs are more comfy than a normal church. They st and you've got a cup holder, hallelujah. They stay... They stay because they sense God's doing something. And some of you who are visiting today will have that sense. Some of you won't. It's not everyone. It's not that you're not blessed. Don't get me wrong. It's just that you are literally visiting. But for some, you saying, I don't know why. I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. And now I want to do something. He's gathering his people together. I am just stunned. And it's so easy to, to, to it's like seeing your children grow up. You don't realize that when, if you don't look at them for years, they go from this high to this high, and their features change. This church has just gone from this big to this big, and we go, if we stop and pause and go, what on earth has just happened? God's just put resources in. When we were starting to look at what this church would be, and what this church was hoping to do, we're thinking, we don't have the people. We don't have the people. The only way it's going to happen is if everyone does everything. Does everyone remember moving to view? Everyone had to do everything. Everyone was unwelcome. You want me to unwelcome team? I'll do the crash and I'm on PA, but don't worry. We're, all, we're fine. We're good. It'll be okay. You know, season coffee. We're just we're running around and we were on rotors. We're just like, oh, how do you get everyone aligned up? And yet God's now adding resources. So there's a group starting for the over 60s soon, which Sue Burgess is going to do. And that's because someone came and said, this is something I have a heart for, something I have a vision for. I want to do it. And we were thinking months ago, who on earth is going to run that? I know people want to do it, but who has the real passion, drive, and heart to do it and knows how to make it happen? Who can we give that to? Because we can't, as elders, kind of help every group start up. And we've had some really exciting things happen. Groups have started to sprout up. Things have started to happen without us even saying, can you do that? People are saying, I'd like to do this. I'd like to meet with some young guys. Is that okay? <laughs> it's okay. Yes. Of course it's okay. I'd like to start a football thing on a side. Yeah, do it. I'd like to murder women and talk about it on a Friday night. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Edit, delete, please. <laughs> it's the mic. It picks up everything, doesn't it? It's so difficult to me express, but it's such a thrill. It's such a thrill to see God's plan get acted out. The plan that we sense when we said he's naming the church. We used to be called Church of Christ the King, Community Church, Oxy, Pink Banana. And now we're called Christ First, and that name will stick because that's the name God gave us. The names before were names of convenience. That what This name God gave us said, I will name you Christ First. And then we took that name and said, 
oh my word, it's X1. And that's how this name came about. It's only recent. If you're a visitor, you won't know that. That name is new to us. It was God saying, I'm going to build my church. I was building it for years anyway. I was always with you. But now, it wasn't quite 40 years, but it was close. Now, now, this is the time. This is the moment. This is what you've waited for. This is what you've dreamt of. You knew I was going to do it. We all knew he was going to do it. We just kept thinking, are we just deluding ourselves and one day it might happen. But you kn we knew God's plan. And, and what's happened in recent months is God said, I'm telling you how to do it now. It's not that I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. And I'm going to bring some resources to you. And I'm going to talk to you about how it's going to happen. And that's what you want to hear from us. I hope you want to hear from us saying, this is God's plan for us. We're not rushing ahead in our own steam and saying, everyone keep up. We're just going to do tons of stuff and pray it's godly. We're saying, God's saying, do that now. We've got some things in front of us at the moment as an eldership. We're thinking, whoa, that would be huge. But we're not saying, sounds great, sounds like God's stuff. Do it tomorrow. We're saying, hang on, let's just make sure that not, we know it's in God's plan, but is the timing right? Is it the right moment in our church life? Is this when God wants to do it? Because in some respects he reveals things to you and you think, yeah, I believe that's for us, but the timing is so critical. God has so much started to deliver, and he's even delivered in my own home. For those of you who know my wife, she went out, so I told her I was going to do this when she was out. My wife has been asleep for years. A lovely, lovely woman. Fantastic wife. Lovely mum. Great to be with. Spiritually asleep. Not dead, just asleep. And through recent changes in the church, she is awake. I know she's awake. Her spiritual senses are kind of on. The switch has gone to 11. You know, it's, the, it's that kind of thing. You think, what happened to you? And I have to say, not egotistically, please believe me, what on earth is he doing to me? I was the quiet guy in the back. I hide behind drum kits. I just don't do this stuff. And yet God's woken him. He, hallelujah, he woke me up. And it's not a condemnatory thing because some of you are still asleep. Morning, Greg. Even with an extra hour, you're still asleep. No condemnation, believe me, but pray God, wake us up. Because no army marches asleep. We have said we're a battleship, not a cruise liner. We don't take passengers, not in a bad way. Again, easily misinterpreted. There's a role for every single person. On a battleship, everyone works. Some steer the ship, some clean the decks. But without any of that, it starts to fail. And that's what he's doing in you. You need to come to church more often. You need to go to your explore group more often. You need to come to prayer meetings more often. Why? Not because we're trying to build up numbers. Because God's at work. God's at a work in us. And therefore, he needs you to come and be together as a body. He needs to pull in the tribes, pull in the people, awaken our spirits, and that's how it's going to happen. Hallelujah! That's how it's going to happen. I've never been so excited about seeing strangers before. They normally make me nervous. Are you as excited as me? Are you getting as excited as me? Good. If you're a current member of this church, turn around and look backwards, not if you're right at the back. There'll be people you don't even recognize. They're coming again. <laughs> You'll get to know them. All the people I visit today thinking, he's really... <laughs> what on earth are we... <laughs> um, okay. Fine. I'm always running out of time. Next slide, please. 
Then the last part, of, I'll leave that up. I'm not going to preach. This is the last part of the part of Joshua we explore. But I just want to talk about responding to God's plan without fear. As Joshua laid out the plan and said, this is what we're going to do. This is why you're being pulled together. This is how it's going to happen. I'm just telling you now, we're going to go do it. It's about to go ahead. They, all, they then responded in a, in a way that wasn't like, a, mm-hmm, okay, uh, whatever you say. They said this to him. Whatever you have commanded us to do, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obey Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, and he, as he was Moses, whoever rebels against you and your word does not obey your word, so whatever you may command, I'll get excited, then we'll be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. That was the worst scripture exposition ever. But they all said, yes, okay, we're going to do it. You, you, you said it. Okay, we're going to do it, and we're not just going to do it. They even gave more, that those tribes actually offered more than they offered to Moses. So he said, yep, you're going to fight, we'll go fight. When the time comes and you call us to fight, we're going to come and we're going to fight with you. They said, anything you tell us to do. Why would they do that? Would they do that because Joshua was charismatic? He doesn't sound to me like a charismatic character. A really solid guy, like a solid, reliable, probably. Was he nice? Maybe. Was he good looking, like your eldership? Maybe. Stop laughing every time I say that. It's not encouraging me at all. Was he funny? Was he professional? Was he the sort of guy you want to follow? Those weren't the reasons. You don't give that response to someone because of those qualities. You give that response to someone because you say, God's with you. I know that God's with you. I'm not responding to you, in fact. I'm just responding to God through you. That's what you need to respond to. God through your leadership. And it's not all about leadership. Trust me, I'll come back to that in the summing up. I'm just saying in those situations where someone's saying, we're going to do this. You don't say yes because you think, well, I'm going to get in trouble, or I like him, or he's, he's, he's the boss, you know. He got, got the job of leading the church. Believe me, the eldership in this church doesn't work like that. You do it because you know that through God, he's telling, he's through us, God is telling us all what to do. And that means us as well. God through Joshua is revealing the plan. It's time to cross. All your wandering is about to end and you're going to go and take possession of the land. People didn't respond to him because they thought he's got a good gut instinct. Feels about right. Seems like a holy kind of guy. So we'll go with that. And that's that's the model for us in leadership. That's the model for you in your life though too. It's not just about leadership. There's times when you're going to lay stuff down in front of God and you're going to say, this really is a big thing. This is the thing that's really causing me to worry and to fear. And you're going to seek God. And you're going to hear nothing sometimes. And I believe that is because he's not ready to tell you. There's a moment you need to pause. There's some deeper seeking to go on. And there's often times when you need to get with others and say, here's my situation. I need some godly wisdom into this. Pray with me. Help me understand this. Because the thing you're seeking, the thing you want to happen is you want to know what God's plan is in that. And we will naturally, because of the culture we're in, rush ahead, do it anyway, and then figure out a year later, why on earth has this gone wrong? It's because it wasn't God's moment. It wasn't his plan for you. We all do it. Don't feel condemned. Just feel understanding. It's something we do so readily because we want to take control of our own lives. 
I'll just pop up one more slide, I think, before I kind of bring us to a close. I want to I talk to you about how this all kind of comes together when we talk about responding. I've got this from a book by a guy called John Hoffman. Um, a people mobilized for action is willing to submit personal vested interests for the community good. So first of all, we say, not, me, not my will, Lord, but yours. That's my first response. My second response is that a people mobilized for action is willing to be united at a common task following its God-given leadership. Our hope is that you can sense what God's doing, what we're telling you, what we're about to tell you about explore groups, what we're about to tell you about the next things that the church are going to do. Just so you know, we don't know the huge plan. God wouldn't do that. We just know that God's doing something at this moment, and we're going to reveal that to you. And if you're excited, if you're, if you're united, united with each other, with us, then you'll know, and you'll be happy and comfortable to follow. When we're in God's plan, when we know we're executing God's plan in our lives, we lose the fear. We no longer get scared by what he's asking us to do. And it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. We are absolutely certain that God is going to... There was a word brought over Simon last time we were in Derby Road, which, which, if you were there, you will know how powerful it was. It was that you... What was the sort of context of it? It was Aaron who brought it. It was sort of almost like people are going to think, what on earth are you doing? That's just crazy. Risk taker. I am not a risk taker by nature. Believe me, the moment anyone says to me we're going to do something strange, I would naturally get fearful. And yet, for some reason, I'm not fearful of what God's going to do in us. It's going to be such an exciting time. It's going to be one heck of a ride. It's going to be very strange at times. But God's going to be really challenging us as a church to do some new stuff. And he's going to challenge you and he's going to change you. So, if I want to sum up, you want to pop the next one up for me, guys, as I just sum up. This is what I get out of when I look at something like this. God's plan is perfect. His plan's perfect for you. His plan's perfect for this church. His plan's perfect for everything. It's a flawless plan. His timing is perfect. He will do what he needs to do in you at the moment when it needs to happen. For those of us who know of unsaved people in the church and unsaved friends or people who are trying to make some kind of a final decision, it's so difficult to just relax and say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing what God's told me to do and that moment's going to come. He'll choose that time. We can't rush people to the biggest decision of their lives. His resourcing is perfect. And that's when we get it wrong. When you do things, you think, we're going to do it, but we, we, we kind of been doing it for ages. It doesn't seem to be anyone being added. That's when often when you've done something, God has not resourced it. His resourcing is perfect, and he's been adding to us recently because of what he wants to do through this church. And his ways are best for the church and for us individually. I want to close with this. He's called us to respond. When you look at something like this, something like Joshua, and you realize after all that stuff, there's a response. People say, I'll, I'll go do it. I'll go do it. He's called us as a church to respond. He hasn't called us to be a church that's kind of cool and funky and kind of looks good. He hasn't called us to be a people who seem to have it all together, and therefore that's what's going to do it. He's called us to respond in a different way. He's called us to respond through our entire lives, through a changing of our lives. He's called us to respond in a way that says... Tell you what, what came out for me. I'm just I'm going to jump across for a second here. The parallel wasn't obvious to me before. When, when, when the Israelites are wandering around for 40 years and eventually says, "Go, we're going to take you over and let's go and do that." To me, that's a picture for us as a church. It's a picture for us as individuals when we get saved. We wander around for years and years, 
we kind of know and we kind of sense some stuff. We, have some, we just wander around. And eventually God says, this is that moment when I'm going to take you across. That taking across is actually when we accept Christ as our saviour. When we understand that no matter what we're doing, our life is just a wander. It's just a meander through things. It's an attempt to kind of figure things out for ourselves. But you never actually get to that moment until Christ reveals himself to you and says, I'm the answer, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Cross over. And for some of you, that's this morning. For some of you, it's way off. And for others, it's, it's happened last week. You just don't know. People we don't know are here, maybe. That's what happens. He's calling us to cross over as a church. He's calling us to cross over as individuals. And he's calling the unsaved and the lost. Our desire as a church, ultimately, is this. Lord, add the resource. Lord, add the increase. Father, show us what you want us to do for one purpose only. Glorify your son, Jesus, and see the lost saved. That's what we're here for. If you want to know the grand plan, I can't tell you the detail, but the vision is that. His name of his son will get glorified and the lost will be saved. We're not here to warm seats, we're here to see the lost saved.